Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Way Niagara podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Berta, here with Chris Dalgleish and Steve Lamar. We are continuing our conversation in the book entitled, What If Jesus Was Serious About the Church by Sky Jitani. We are continuing the conversation in the section of the book called The Family Gathering. And so to get us kind of kicked off today, I want to ask you both just kind of a personal question and see how this kind of transitions us into our conversation. And the question is this, and I'm going to start with Chris. Sure. If you had to help someone that said that they felt like church was, wasn't was for them mm-hmm. or had failed them, what mm-hmm. would you tell them? Well, that's a hard one because uh, sometimes I feel like church isn't for me and has failed me. But I would walk them through my, my conviction, which is that church isn't a building and it isn't a club. Church is a relationship with people and that if they've never experienced community, authenticity, and creativity in the way that we express church at way to give it at least a try. And what I also find is that people can connect a little easier around coffee. Come have a coffee. Let's have a conversation. My best conversations are like that with people that have never been at church or just feel like church. If I go in the... I literally have friends that say, if I go into the church, I'm going to get struck with a bolt of lightning or, or I'm going to you know, catch on fire because you know I'm so <laughs> impure. And I'm like, dude... That's ridiculous, right? Never in history have I heard that legitimately happening. So you're, you're fine. Um, because a lot of people that come to church do much worse things <laughs> than what you, what you think you're carrying, right? And I, I think that this is the hardest thing for people is to recognize that church is a place full of sinners, right? The difference, though, is that these people are redeemed, right? And, and that they've experienced the grace of God. And so for me, I want those people who are having a hard time to come to church to reconcile with grace, but also to reconcile that church isn't, isn't a club. It isn't a, a unified organization that every single church is the same. You have to experience the freedom of, of, of recognizing a church that's built around community, a church that has a, a teaching leader, and a church that actually invests in its in its people. And um, honestly, if they can't buy into that authenticity, then I don't think that they're going to find a church that's for them, right? Well, and I think the one thing that I usually tell people when I have this conversation is to, number one, acknowledge that they have probably had a bad experience. And what I'll remind them is that Yes, the church is God's organization, but not everything that church people do actually represents mm-hmm. what Jesus wants. Oh, yeah. And so so sometimes I'm like, oh, well, I went to a church and they did this and they did this and they did this. So they must all do this. And I, I remind them, no, that is not a representation of Jesus. That mm-hmm. is not a faithful representation yeah. of God. And that is sometimes a hard pill to swallow because we all do that. We all do things that don't perfectly represent Jesus. And oftentimes, in moments of church hurt, people actually had good intentions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's just our fallenness yeah. on display. Well, I think, too, like you're not going to the movies. So you go to the movies and you, you you sit in the theater and it's got like broken seats and, and popcorns everywhere. It's filthy. The floors are sticky. The, the projector is, is sketchy. Uh, there's people standing up with their phones on constantly. 
it's too cold, it's too hot, right? You're going you're gonna to think that the, every movie is like that until you experience a movie where it's like it's calm and you're sitting in a nice reclining leather chair and it's not sticky, it's clean. And uh, I find that the, your church experience is the same way. As much as we are super anti-consumerism, I think a church experience is, is going to be experienced the same way you experience going to the movie or going to a restaurant or anything like that, right? You could run into a grumpy waitress. You could run, in, run into a, a grumpy hostess or host at, at a restaurant who, who makes your experience negative. But the church, the church is well-meaning, right? They're not out to, to hopefully, <laughs> they're not out to, uh, to make you have a negative experience. Right, they they want you to experience something positive. They want you to experience their expression in a good way, and I think uh, I think people that have experienced church negatively and, and once, and that was it for them, need to just have a conversation with someone in a home group or in a in a around a coffee table at some point and recognize that that's church too. Absolutely, see, I love. Love, love, love the fact that Chris and I did not discuss this question at all in no, any way, shape, or form. Surprise. And yet, I have almost an identical answer. This guy. Yeah. The... You two have been hanging out too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I will add, one of the big things that changed for me with this kind of church is the focus is on the community part. Yep. Uh, The focus is like, hey, let's get together and basically be a real family. Let's have those conversations that kind of hurt, but you need to get them out. Hmm. Let's take care of each other. Let's be arm in arm in this situation. Whatever you're walking through, we're walking through it with you. But another thing is we're there for the Mm one-on-one. We are there to disciple directly if it's needed. If you need a coffee with Chris or if you need to sit down with me and just have a chat, Mm -hmm. we are here for that. That's right. And to be honest, every other church I've experienced, you might get that with the lead pastor, and that's your experience. Mm-hmm. In this church, it's a community. And I think with way what you put into way, you get back, right? If yeah. you're if you're invested in people and you're invested in trying to have a relationship, you're gonna get relationship like crazy, right? If you're invested in in spending time and wanting to spend time, you're gonna get other people wanting to spend time, wanting to welcome you into their homes. That's what makes the authentic community that is way mm-hmm. so much different than the other churches, which is come to this place. We're going to meet at this place. Our relationship is around this place. And when you have issue with this place, you leave. Whereas at way, if you have issue, bring it to the table. Let's talk <laughs> what you put in, you get back. And, and I want people that are coming to hear that. Like if you're desiring more community, ask. I don't want you to have to like force it, but like there's, there's so much going on that's authentic community. I can't post it on Facebook and be like, hey, come to Steve's house or whatever. Like, there's so much going on that if you're in relationship with us because you're communicating with us, you're going to find something throughout the week that you can connect to. And going back to the book really quick related to this, Sky actually says something that stuck out to me. He points out that maybe this week you are the one that's showing Christ's grace. Mm-hmm. And maybe next week, you're the one receiving it. Come on. Right. And we are all a part of the community. And when a community is functioning, it is not a transactional 
situation. We are not mm -hmm. trying to, oh, well, okay, so Steve needed extra grace last week. He needs extra grace this week. Uh, it happens. Oh, that's not going to... So, what, Chris, for you, mm -hmm. like, what is the difference when we... When we decouple the idea of transactionalism mm -hmm. from church, you know, I think that's exactly what I was talking about. In a way, like you, what you're what you're giving is what you're getting is almost transactional, right? You're putting your money in the bank, and that money's in the bank, uh, or you're making a purchase. I think the difference is that when we come to worship, we don't know what to expect. I guess never can I script how any of our home church worship's going to feel, even our, our services are going to feel, because. You know, we let the Holy Spirit lead quite a bit. It's never obnoxious, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. It's never uncomfortable. It's just different, right? And it's unpredictable. And we let so many different people lead worship from all age groups. And I think that I get so much more from other people's investing, if that makes sense. Like they're bringing a gift to the Lord. They're not just, they're not bringing it to receive something. They're bringing it because they want to give it to God, right? And when I see them bringing these beautiful offerings of worship or, or bringing their talent alongside us to serve, I get so blessed by that. And that to me is, that is real worship, man. Like people bringing their best to God and going, God, use this. Use this little thing that I have, this little talent, this little gift. Use it. I think that I, that, and, and to me, like as the leader, I need more of that, man. Like I could take that tenfold, but we're already getting. But you know, when a seven-year-old gets up and, and sings worship and a 70-year-old gets up and, and leads worship and they're both just delighting, delighted to worship God, I am blessed, man. Like, I, I am blessed to be in the same room as these people who love Jesus as much as I do. And that's, you know, in part because we talk about how this is about relationships, not rituals. Yeah. Right? We are not trying to do the same thing we did last week. Yeah. And yeah, there there is a place for tradition, but... If we are allowing tradition and ritualism to become the thing that we worship, that's when we kind of run into a bit of a problem. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading this section, and I really only have two points from this. It's a really short page, but uh, the focus here is that worship is not about what you're doing or what you have to bring. It's about your heart. What is it you're really doing this for? Are you doing this because you love God or are you doing this because you're hoping, you know, God will be a little nicer to me. God will be good. Mm -hmm. God doesn't want rituals, sacrifices, and offerings. Mm. He wants us. And that's actually harder. Yep. Yeah. Because to sacrifice, you know, a lamb or something like that versus giving your entire life. Yeah. Is a very different thing. I, I often talk to people that, you know, they talk about the Ten Commandments and all of this and how, you know, the revolution of grace makes everything so much easier. And it's like, actually, in a way, it makes everything harder. Yeah. Because yeah. when you look at the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus says, well, yeah, you know, they, the, the scripture says, thou shalt not murder. But, but I say, even if you look at someone with anger, like, oops, oops. how many people have I killed? Donald. Right? Like, we have a challenge sometimes when we we just assume that grace makes things easier. Yeah. Living in an era of grace actually, in some cases, really tests our motives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and all of that. And so we're also talking about the value of things. You know, transactions have a certain value. But the good news is, is that 
if Jesus was serious about the church, then worship is about seeing God's intrinsic value, not his usefulness. We are not using God as a cosmic slot machine. Hmm. We are seeing who God is, who he really is, not just what he provides for us. And this is why oftentimes when I'm talking to people about prayer, I talk about starting prayer with statements of worship or statements of his greatness even before Thanksgiving, because if we are only giving Thanksgiving and asking for things, then we actually are focusing more on the usefulness of God yeah. than the worthiness and the value of God. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy. Like we forget that God's sovereign all the time, which like he is literally Lord of everything, right? He, he has the greatest authority to speak over everything. And half the time we're coming to him in our prayer life saying, Hey, God, check this out. It's bad. You see these bad things? God's sovereign, dude. Right? Yeah. Like, he he knows. He, he knows, knows everything. Yeah. His kingdom. Hello? And and we forget that. And I think that as we start to um, shift ourselves, and this is part of, like, one of the most important things that we disciple here is, is to recognize the sovereignty of God, right? That the, he is literally the Lord of creation, the master of the universe. He, not like He-Man, but he's, like, even better, you know? Like, he's got incredible authority in this life that we live. He knows your start and your finish. He's seen it, right? He's got a plan, and he's got a purpose. He's got a dream for you. He's got what he wants you to accomplish he knows how that your government looks he knows how your level of poverty is at certain times he knows and when we constantly just come to him with our greek with our griping we sometimes are going to miss out because we're so focused on all of our little worries and we stop to recognize that you know this is the king we're coming before he knows he knows he's got authority over your life he's got authority over your whole journey just pause and be thankful that he exists and let him start to speak and to change, right? Mm -hmm. Our little world view. And that's the hardest part here Mm -hmm. because we're so islands unto ourselves in our society. And when we can embrace this, we can actually practice rest. Come on. Because you can't rest if you're constantly striving, if you feel like you are the one that is responsible for all of the results, yeah. you'll never rest. That's right. Now you may sleep at night and you may take a vacation, but your mind will never be at peace. Mm-hmm. And don't we see that in our world? Absolutely. So how do we create a rhythm of rest? How do we take God's yoke upon us that is easy and light? And in trusting his sovereignty, actually find ourselves in a place of rest. Yeah, I'm going to say there's no prescription for this because every person is so different, right? How you rest, how Steve rests, how how I rest, it's all so different um, that it's it's the the nurturing the nurturing that comes from rest has to come from God, right? And the ability to pause is very difficult. Especially in young families, like, well, if, if I'm resting today, so you're not being taken care of children, that's impossible, right? Do you know what I mean? God never uh, required that from rest. That was never a thing. But, but what God is saying is, is pause. Pause. Pause from your busyness. Find community 
and find worship and you'll find me, right? When you're gathered with other people in his name, he's there. I think the beauty of that is that gives us an ability to go, I can rest in my busyness, sitting and having a coffee with my buddy at the campfire. I can rest in my busyness, in my car, listen to a podcast, or praying, or just enjoying the beautiful sunshine and whatever, whatever weather is happening at the moment that you're listening to this podcast. I want you to experience rest in that calmness, in that pause. That, at least that's for me. And like I say, it's, a, it's you finding in your relationship with God. Some people might rest in, in very chaotic ways, right? Yeah, I jump into this and actually say, for me, worship can act as rest and kind of a reset. And this is something I do enjoy about the bigger communal church gatherings where you have worship music and things like that. Uh, for me, big rest comes from pointing things back to God being reminded that he's in charge of all this. What is the point of all this? Yeah. And you get sent out equipped for what's to come. You walk away with that feeling that, you know, maybe God's been with you today. Maybe he, you'll have that feeling the rest of the week. It's a chance to really feel refreshed. Give yourself to God. Feel that feeling of renewal and enjoy it. That's really good. And this idea of rest is actually coming from the very beginning of the Bible, where Jesus, after his work of creation, he rested. He demonstrated this for us, even in the midst of the work that we do, even in the midst of the involvements that we have in this world, we can rest. And that can really be a beautiful thing. I'm sure you can tell I love these book quotes, but Sky had a really good quote in this section that I have to bring out. Worship is the opposite of war. It is an act of creation rather than destruction, of order rather than chaos, and beauty rather than ugliness. I want to dive in here and just kind of mention one of the things that I find incredible about worship is it often defies chaos. And I find that we are very chaotic as humans. Like we just, we bring everything everywhere we go, all of our baggage, all of our craziness, all of our, I mean, it's at the tip of our phone. Usually we're opening our phone and we're looking at all the things that cause the chaos and we're indulging in that chaos. But when we indulge in worship, it kind of removes the chaos because we're focusing on God and God is not chaotic, right? It says that God, uh, the spirit of God was hovering over the chaos at the in the creation, right? That, that was the, that was what God's spirit was actively doing in the creation story. At the beginning, there was chaos and his spirit was hovering over the chaos. I think we need to allow the spirit of God to penetrate and hover over the chaos of our life more. And that comes with worship. It comes from pausing and reflecting on how great God is. Mm -hmm. How thankful we should be for grace for the kingdom of God here on earth, for his blessings and provisions, for the Holy Spirit being freely attainable. By in, simply invite, Holy Spirit, come, guide my life. You know, the, the word of God calls him the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. He's your life partner. He's your journey partner. He's there to travel with you. 
If you can't find him in your chaos, it gets pretty messy. But when you find him in the chaos, he starts to lead you towards worship. He starts to lead you towards the things that brighten your day. And that's where you find worship. And that's the kind of a, a thing that we miss about the Holy Spirit. He leads you towards worship in every act, right? It's to bring you towards worship. And so I, I, I hope if you're listening to this podcast and the chaos is overwhelming you of, of all of the things that you're, you've brought with you into this space, whether it's preparing taxes or, or whatnot, or, or all of the different things that you might be facing right now. I ask you, have you invited the Holy Spirit to lead you towards worship in this? And I just can't help but thinking about how when we are in a place of peace mm-hmm. because of worship, that is actually when we can start engaging in justice. Come on. Because oftentimes... When we are angry, when we are chaotic, we may see something wrong in the world and want to attack it. That's right. We may want to strike back. We may want to lash out. And even if, yeah, well, even if we're correct about the thing that was wrong, our approach is potentially going to be wrong in trying mm-hmm. to be involved. But when we are at a place of peace, when we are at a place of Christ-centeredness, then we can be in a place where we can be a part of helping to bring justice to situations. Because when we are encountering God, we will be able to see the things that breaks God's heart Mm -hmm. and be able to engage in writing some of those things by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say this. Justice and reconciliation are forms of worship. Seeing people hurting around you and, and dreaming up ways to help them, dreaming up ways to bring to light their situation so that others can also help to heal that situation that have more talent or more influence or, or more resources they can pour into it than you do. That's worship, man. God created each human individual in his image. And when we can do something to serve that image, that is worship right? When we can bring light to, to the areas that, that need healing in our, our community circles, that's where we find the most powerful worship. That's where we find God most honored, man. He, he came for those people. He didn't come as a, as a dictating leader. He didn't come as a mighty uh, militant leader when Jesus came. He came amongst the poorest he came amongst the, the simplest. And he came and led, kind of in the, in the shadows of the religion even, you know, taking the, the boys who were cast aside, the teenage boys who weren't good enough to, to, to preach and to join in their religious uh, structures. And he didn't turn them into a military. He turned them into a force of social justice. Even though... I think in some ways they want it to be. Yep. Mm-hmm. When we yep. think about when they're in the garden and Peter's pulling out his sword, and what does Jesus do? He heals the guys here. Put it away. Yep. Put it away. Stop it. 
Come on. This is not how we're going to do this. We are going to confront the evils of this world, and we are going to bring justice in the world actually by peace, Mm -hmm. not by using the tactics of the world. One of the things that really burdens me in politics is attack ads. Come on. Because I just think, have we lost our soul? Why can't we represent what we believe and the good we want to do rather than attacking the bad of the other? Mm. And there may very well be legitimate bad in the other party, of course. But why are we resorting to such a low form of communication, of attack, rather than positively affirming the right that can be done? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes we need to point out sin and wrong. But then we recognize Jesus as the Savior, not me as the Savior. Yeah. Yeah, and you think about it this way, like, Jesus is the Lord of heavenly hosts, man. This is the captain of heaven's armies. Come on. What does he need you for to be out there being militant and fight? If he, if he wanted to pick, take up arms, he's taking up arms with a force that's greater than anything that we could muster. His response to the hurting around us and oppression around us was not to bring down the nuke. His response was to radically love the human being and to bring healing to the human being. That's his response to the chaos in this world. It's from the beginning. God has brought order out of chaos. Jesus is referred to as the prince mm-hmm. of peace. Come on. Yeah, I'm going to chop down one of the quotes this guy says. Uh, he goes deeper into things like, uh, so how do we value our orphans, the poor, the trafficked, and hungry? Uh, and gets deeper into that, and basically devaluing people. Mm-hmm. And where do we stand? Uh, so one of the things that he says is to really battle this problem, uh, we do this by learning to value what is not useful. So the people that you may look at and go, what, what is your purpose in society? What, why are you even here? Mm. Realistically, those are the people we should be loving most. Yes. We should be going to those people that are not able to take care of themselves and helping them instead of asking the questions about why are you even here? Uh, he continues with, we do this by cultivating beauty in our worship because beauty is the prelude for justice and justice is true worship. Mm. And I'm going to say something. This kind of thing didn't bother me at all until I prayed a prayer that I was asked to pray because I said I felt like I had a hardness around my heart. Mm. Uh, It's really simple. And honestly, if you're listening to this going, why should I care? And you do call yourself a Christian. I challenge you to just ask God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me see the pain that's in the world and really understand where you're coming from because you're asking me to love these people, but I just don't feel it. Hmm. And when I prayed that prayer, it was instantaneous. I was in tears, and I'm not promising that for anybody. But I remember suddenly going, I care, and these people do have value, and they are part of my community. And so let's make this real. When you look at this world, and I'm going to ask all three of us, and then I'm going to ask you all at home because I don't want to let you off the hook either. But what is it that you see that breaks the heart of God that breaks your heart? Hmm. I'll start because 
I came up with the question. I think for me is people that are in a place where they feel like they have to earn their salvation. And so every time they do something wrong, they doubt their salvation. And then they, they doubt the goodness of God. Mm. Like that is something that every time I hear that, I just, I get angry, but in not at them, mm. I get angry at the lie of the enemy that you can actually earn your salvation at all because mm. it is the goodness of God and the mercy of God. Mm. That saves us. And yes, we need to have faith. We do need to profess that faith, of course. But when we've done that, we do not and cannot be perfect. Mm -hmm. What breaks my heart the most is people that live in that chaos every day without hope. And I'm surrounded by those people and I'm constantly putting myself into those people's path. I, I think as a, as a pastor in the past, I got very caught up in having only relationship with people at church, you know, ch Christian people. But since the way journey began, uh, my life has been hev heavily influenced by finding people that don't go to church and making them a regular part of my week. Um, and it's not because I want them to come to church and become Christian. I mean, I do. But I want them to experience that shred of hope and grace that I can speak into them, That just those little seeds, you know? When they're doubting, like I say, the, the apocalyptic thinking that's out there, man right it's wild you know and as christians we're supposed to be excited that it looks like the end times people that don't know the word of god are terrified by the state of the world mm -hmm. and so for me putting myself as a position you know, positioning myself i guess to to be a little glimmer of hope for those people and to be encouraging to those people i believe that's why god put me on this planet is to bring a little bit of light. That's what my name means. Yeah, mine is close to Chris's, but uh, it's very more specific. That's a, that's a great phrase, very more. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank God for editing. Yeah. It's, or maybe not. <laughs> Just yeah. leave it in, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's very specific. It's uh, For me, it's people that need help and they know they need help but they have no idea where to turn. Mm. That breaks me because I've been there. Mm -hmm. You know, especially with mental health in this day and age, there's so many options, there's so many things, and it's so easy to say you need a therapist, you need a counselor, you need a psychiatrist. You can't just magically get these things and not everyone can afford them. But what I can do is sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. And I think that's what part of what God has called me to. Mm. And I think that's part of the reason it breaks my heart so much is that's my mission. That's part of why I'm here. I'm here to have a coffee and sit down. Mm -hmm. I'm here to just say, you know, it's okay. I've been through this too. Yeah. Or I understand what you're talking about. Or I, maybe even I don't understand, but I'll help you find somebody who does. That's mm -hmm. what really breaks my heart. Is there's people that don't even know how to get to that point. And what makes it even worse is, I mean, not worse, but breaks your heart a little more is 
knowing the faces, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know these people, right? And for me, like in this town, I've grown up here for, I've been in this town for over 34 years, right? So I think of all these faces of people I've experienced and seen their chaotic circumstances and I've seen where their needs are the most. And it breaks my heart that there hasn't been something in this town to help heal that yet. Mm-hmm. And it's a big burden for me to bear. But I think if we can build a community dedicated to to those faces, then we can at least make a mark on this town mm-hmm. of goodness, of godliness, of grace, of true justice. And hopefully it doesn't end with us. That's right. Right. Absolutely. And that's interesting, right, too, is because the things that break our heart are the things that, are, that actually inspire us to act. That's right. And I look at yeah. both of your lives and I see... Yeah, so that's the thing that breaks their heart. Well, that's the thing that they're most investing in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just great. See, like taking purpose yeah. and honoring God, engaging in worship by taking the brokenheartedness that we have over the, a condition in the world and contributing to it. And so the question that I want to ask to everyone listening as we're concluding, and I encourage you to share this with someone. And if you want to email your thoughts to podcast at wayneagra.ca, please, please do that. Or if you want to share that with a friend or family member, but what breaks your heart? Mm. And how do you feel like God is leading you to be a part of that solution mm. in this world? And so I just want to thank you um, for tuning in today. And again, if you want to go to wayneagra.ca, or to um, our Facebook page for more information on all the happenings around the church. That would be really great. Also, on whatever platform you are listening on, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. But for now, I say thank you for tuning in. Bye for now.